Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new Black Magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now, cue the music. Hey, welcome to the 144th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Adam Bricker and Andre Billiold. And Andre also brought you a previous episode, but I mispronounced his name and he corrected me. So we are all set now. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow. Today we're catching up. We've got a bunch of exciting news and big developments. And also we're going to talk New Year's resolution, filmmaking resolution. Can you tell our listeners what the date is today? Uh, we are recording on New Year's Eve day. December 31st. December 31st. Are you usually in LA on this day? I try to be, yeah. Oh, why? Yeah. Um, well, just because it's nice, you know, like whether I've traveled for Christmas or not, it's nice to like be with your friends on New Year's, I mean. Yeah. So. It's interesting because LA is such an industry town and the neighborhoods we live in, Silver Lake and Los Feliz, are such industry neighborhoods that half oh. the neighbors are gone yeah the parking is great yeah i think my building we know pretty much everybody in the building and i would say it's half full at most yeah and people are like whoa i can drive to pasadena in like 12 minutes i went to dinner on the west side the other day whoa it was incredible you crossed the 405 Mm -hmm. it was easy it was fun fun okay yeah it was great now you're just talking nonsense So we thought it would be fun to just talk about what's going on in our lives a little bit and also what we have to look forward to. Yeah. How we're going to control our destiny for 2019. (laughs) That's right. Taking the reins in 2019. So you have a a crazy big job in January. I do have a crazy job in January. I am going to Moscow to shoot some cat food commercials. It's so crazy. I still can't figure out how you got this job how how it happened so basically i did a bunch of cat food commercials for whiskas which is a a big cat food brand in the uk for college humor and also this agency bbdo and when you say a bunch of commercials you did one campaign right i did one campaign which was like i want to say six or seven spots though that were all really distinct 
It was a lot. But wasn't it, was it all, they all had the same concept, right? Kit, kitten college? Yeah, it was all the kittens were going to college together, but it was like, there's one episode where they're playing rugby, and there's one episode where they're in the dorms, and there's one episode where they're friends with a French bulldog who is their foreign exchange student. So you built a bunch of tiny sets that looked like college mm-hmm. locations, and then you populated them with multiple cats, but a lot of them you had to film separately so that they wouldn't... Correct. Yeah. Give each other feline aids or something. Yeah. It, Fades. Yeah. It's um, it's a real thing. There was a union strike. It was a long shoot. We had we were working with a ton of animals. We had uh, international clients. Um, we literally had hired every single miniature builder in Los Angeles to be working literally overnight to like crank out these incredible sets. It was a wild ride for sure. Um, and I thought that was the end of my cat food career so basically you know recently the russian arm of bbdo was like hey do you want to pitch on these and i was like well sure i'm not but how did they contact you somebody emailed me like off your website or something yeah you just got an email that i just got an email that hey do you want to pitch on this which you know you get emails like that all the time they're just not from russia i've all gotten one and they couldn't reach me so they hired you instead (laughs) Yeah, your uh, your your uh, emails not forwarding to your account is the best thing to happen in my career. Yeah, well, not the best thing, but it's a nice little bump. Sure, sure. Wait, so you get emails all the time from random people you don't know asking you to pitch on stuff? Not all the time, but yeah, you know. Can you what? name one other job you had in 2018 um, that came that way? I mean, Ellen, I just got an email that was like, hey, you know. I I heard that you were a good director. Can we meet? Oh yeah, another email probably meant for me. Uh yeah, it, it happens. So you don't know you don't well. know who how you got the Ellen job? They just randomly found you. Well, I know it was because they had worked with a couple producers that I had worked with, and my name was on when they asked they were looking for new directors. My name was on a couple people's lists. So basically. producer referred you. Pro, yeah, producer referral. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just don't want it to sound like. You move to LA and people just start emailing you. Yes, that is true. <laughs> Put and videos on your website and, and that then is you just off. get jobs. Yeah, yeah. No, it, I do not think it was because someone Googled like American cat food director and then just kind of blasted everybody. You know, I'm, it was directly through working relationships with these other companies. With the agency? Because of the agency, I think, yeah. Yeah, or maybe... Um, but none of the people at the agency you're working with now... Correct were worked on the whiskers correct campaign. yeah yeah so yeah but like i said i didn't think i was going to get it and then i wrote the treatment treatment um the night of our live show right um which is why i was like i gotta get out of here goodbye everyone and actually it was kind of nice because russia is 11 hours ahead so i could text with the coordinator and ep and stuff and ask them questions and they would be awake to answer those questions and then you know i got on the phone with everybody and did a a regular pitch i mean it's very similar to like every other commercial job it's just that like scheduling is a little trickier and you pitched on the phone in english correct yeah everyone i've spoken to speaks english pretty fluently okay but you're but everything the whole crew everyone producers so i i will be flying with a cinematographer um, but everyone else will be Russian. And my first AD will basically act as translator between me and any non-English speaking crew member. Cool. And so you're going to fly to Moscow. How long are you going to go for? 
I'll be there for two weeks and then I'm flying. Chrissy is coming with me because I didn't want to be gone for that long. And also like, when am I ever going to go to Moscow ever again? Um, so she's coming with me and then we're going to go to Prague for a couple days afterwards. Cool. And how many days are you shooting? Two days of shooting, but I'm supervising the edit. So, so is that's the, part of why you're doing like a week before the shooting and then a few days after. Mm-hmm, exactly. And supervising the edit, is that something you asked for or they asked for They it? asked for it, yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. So un-American. That's true, yeah. Um, so so that's the deal, though, yeah. So, Which is kind of why we decided to record on New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, I just did this job, you know, last week, two weeks right. ago. Right, you just got back from Atlanta not that long yeah. ago. It's, uh, most of the people speak English there, mm-hmm. so that was pretty easy. Um, did you but, take a DP with you? Yeah. Jess. Jess Dunlap? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's great. What's crazy is, like, we got to Atlanta, and he's, like, his eye was a little red, and, uh, on the day that we went to do our pre-production meeting, he's like, yeah, I'm just gonna go check out Atlanta, and we get back from the meeting, and he's like, yeah, I was at the optometrist all day, like, my eye is super messed up. Oh, no. And I was like... That sucks for you, but you're like the DP man. If there's yeah. one person who's who needs to be able to see, yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Is your left eye good?" And he said, "Yeah." So, yeah. <laughs> uh, all you need is like one eye. Did I tell? I'm sure I told you about this. Uh, this production designer I worked with before. She only had one eye. No. And she claimed that she was was a better production designer because of it, hmm. because she saw the same way a camera sees. Oh, that's fun. From huh. one eye, because, you know, you don't have yeah. that parallax right. of the eyes. He just texted me, actually, since I got to your house, saying that he had to have some crazy eye surgery. Surgery? Yeah. Oh, man. He's he's okay, though. He said he's all good. But uh, I'm doing that same trick with them again, where I, like, got the hard drive of footage, you know, on set. So I think, I don't know that we've talked about this on the show. Oh, haven't we? I don't, maybe well, not, but just to, to reiterate. Yeah. So Oren's got a new move that he swears by for commercials. Well, it's two moves. One for sure we talked about. One is that a lot of times in commercials, oddly enough, the agency wants the director to have zero to do with the edit because they hire the director to get the footage shot and then the agency wants to oversee the edit because their goals are not to make an awesome spot for their reel. Their goal is to make their client happy and to make their client happy They need a lot of product logos and to convince people to do something, subscribe to something, buy something, go to a website, do whatever. So and a lot of times that's at odds with what the director wants. So I had a job last year where I didn't really like the edit at all. I mean, which happens often. But so I asked the production company if I could have the footage through my own cut. And they said no. Uh, And I was very frustrated by that. So my first move is I always bring my own hard drive to, and I give it to the DIT. So on you just set. always have the dailies. Yeah, always have uh, my own copy. Um, and then my other move that I started doing, I did on this job in January of 2018 of this year, is I went home that weekend, and there were three spots for that campaign. I did all three of them. You know, I temp in ADR. Like if I need ADR, I have like Kara, my wife, do it. I'll put in music. I'll put in everything. I'll temp in the VFX. And by Monday, I send it to the agency producer and I say, hey, this is like how I thought these edits worked. Part of it comes from me wanting to be helpful and choose takes and all that stuff. You can kind of influence what 
the way that you saw it basically and that informs it you know yeah and part of it is i'm just like really excited about the footage and i want to channel that excitement into the edit as opposed to like three weeks later i don't care that much about the job anymore uh but the third thing is there's like this anxiety and stress that i get at the end of every shoot day where i feel like we didn't quite nail things or mm-hmm. something didn't quite work. And right. I you feel better by being able to like solve those problems and know it's going to be good. Well, I get this like weird. I mean, this is way too much to admit on a podcast, but New Year's Eve, who cares? 2019, this will all be different. I, sometimes I like feel guilty after a shoot because I know all these people have spent all this money on me making this thing for this corporation that is, this is going to be their campaign how they're going to stay in business for the next few months and sometimes i feel like what if they look at the footage and they don't quite understand how to put it together and they think the whole thing was a failure and hiring me was a mistake so i get this like weird self-conscious and then somebody (laughs) gets laid off because they don't hit their (laughs) fourth quarter mark (laughs) quota yeah so anyway so i want to make sure for myself whether anyone else even sees it or not that the footage works that the yeah. cut works that there is a way to get from this beat to this beat that this sure. la- joke lands or that this times out right there is still an anxiety of just like is this gonna work every once in a while it, it's faded for me and i wonder i think it comes back more the weirder you get the harder you're trying to like kind of get like you know standard coverage the reason that standard co- coverage is nice is that it will always work if you have a master and two clean singles your scene will cut together guaranteed it will make sense and as long as you don't jump the line or any kind of like really basic mistakes like don't change the blocking in between your master and your close you're fine yeah but that's like, like, like a dialogue work. scene sure sure, but sure. that doesn't mean a joke will work like you might need right. a certain type of insert shot and with right. commercials thing i'm just finding more and more this year i did way more 30 second commercials is the timing is just like everything so hard yeah you know and i keep getting these scripts that are like 37 seconds long and cutting squeezing 37 seconds into 30 seconds is like squeezing 40 minutes into 30 minutes Mm -hmm. you know it's like you have to cut out 33 percent or play things faster and things aren't landing if there's text on screen and then in post they always want more logo more Mm -hmm. type more small print so yeah i've been really spoiled this year because i think all of my commercial spots have either been soft timelines where like it could be anywhere between 23 and 45 seconds and it's not that big a deal just like good and tight is the mandate or on the the ohio job in particular it was a nice clean 30 seconds i guess i did have two 15s and 15s are no more than that i've had a handful of 15s this year and those are gnarly. Those are really hard to like m- make work. Sometimes a 30 is the hardest because like you can get a joke and a half in there. With a 15, you just know there's only one joke. That's it. It's yeah. like joke, tag, out. Well, I had to do two sixes for this oh. open door job that a couple of weeks ago I did. And they want an end card on it. So end card's two seconds. So I have four seconds. It, and they wanted to squeeze like three lines of dialogue in there. Like, that doesn't fit in four seconds. Like, I don't know what to tell you. There's a weird pushback also. It's a weird thing, especially with a company that you haven't worked with before, of, like, knowing how to communicate that to people. Because sometimes it's your job to 
fight and push back. And sometimes it's the production company's job and sometimes it's the copywriter's job. And you have to be political and diplomatic and smart about that and also make a good spot because the copywriter's going to lose their job if the spot doesn't come out right. You know, they are the creative director or somebody, you know. And some you're just kind of like, did you ever, like, take a stopwatch and read it out loud at a fast but reasonable rate? Right, with leaving time for the text. Yeah. Like, in this thing I just shot in Atlanta last week, there's this moment where we cut to a kid's bedroom and, like, a monster tentacle comes out from underneath the bed. And we hear, like, a little roar. Yeah. Which I... I decided we hear a roar because I think you you need some Motivated, sound to, yeah, yeah. to go with that. And in their timing, they never left time for the tentacle to come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, dude, we need like two seconds for that or else it's just never going to read. It's going to be confusing. So the other thing that I accomplish by doing my own cut is I'll always get like alt lines from mm-hmm. the actors on set, even if it's just VO, mm-hmm. when I don't quite think the copy is communicating something clearly. And a lot of times I'm wrong. Usually I'm wrong. But when I'm not wrong in my cut, I'll use those alt lines. Yeah. And then I can pitch them. When I send them to the producer, they they can be like, oh, actually, this line maybe works a little bit better. Yeah. I, I will oftentimes get alt lines that just kind of spell things out that I think are probably clear. Just have the safety of, like, putting the button on it of, like, here is the thing we're, we're pointing out that is maybe accidentally too subtle, you know? Right. Like having that safety net, I think, is worthwhile. Yeah. A real specific example from this thing I just shot in Atlanta is there's this shot of a room that's supposed to smell really bad. And there's a woman that like is picking up a sock and she smells it and she makes like a face like it smells bad. Like it's her teenage son's room. And the voiceover references this room as being really funky. And I kept saying like over and over, but everyone ignored me that I feel like this works better if we say this room smells funky as opposed to this room is funky. Oh, yeah. And so I just recorded it. And when I saw in the edit, because it, it's this, basically we go through this long sequence of rooms, different rooms, and it's on screen for so sh- short. Like when you say a room smells funky and you see somebody smelling a sock and reacting, it's much clearer than if you say a room is kind of funky, I think was the script, line, mm-hmm. and see a woman smelling the sock. So anyway, th- that's like an example of how things work. And I've, yeah. I've noticed copywriters and creative directors, and everything, everything's so important to them in the beginning but by the time we're done shooting like i can kind of pitch anything and so yeah it's important to fight and it's so hard because you have to act like you love every single thing when you get the job when you're fighting to get the job you know it's funny you remind reminding me of a situation not that long ago with the production company that i love and a new it was a new creative director and it was something where basically the first couple lines had pretty explicitly asked for a dolly shot that was going to be too long. And my producer was like, you're never going to be able to put that dolly shot in this spot. It's 15 seconds. What are we doing? I had an idea for how it was going to cut. And she's like, it's not going to work, stupid. (laughs) Are you serious? I was hoping that maybe there was a way that we could retime it to make it work. And the creative director, he had written it that way. And so I felt this obligation to try my hardest to deliver the move, basically. I think in hindsight, I wish I could have pitched a smarter way of doing it but i did i even shot kind of like static versions that still kind of communicated the exact beats but without having to worry about travel time you know i I covered Mm -hmm. it pretty well and it just a 15 second spot is a 
a 15 second spot. There's just no way around it. But I still think about that experience all the time. Look, we made our day, everything worked out. It wasn't a problem. But the balance between delivering what the agency wants and what the production company wants and what is best for the spot on time, on schedule, is a just a really tricky thing. Even with a bunch of experience, sometimes it's not going to go the way you hope, you know? For sure. Well, I'm very excited to see how your Moscow experience goes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. should we talk about next year? Yeah, Oren. But so, Oren. Yes. Do you have any filmmaking resolutions? Yeah, I do want to do a lot more narrative stuff that's longer than 30 seconds because I watched Roma last night. And, you know, you look at a movie like that and you think about the performances and how they worked and how long the shots are and how sequences come together and even like spider-man into the spider-verse you know movie we both loved uh how much fun you can have with that and i just get bummed when i realize i could never pull the stuff off in like 30 seconds and i haven't had a lot of practice and like working with actors and like crafting Mm -hmm. characters and performances for a while because i've just been doing commercials a lot lately so i really want to do some longer form narrative stuff you know obviously i want to love to do a movie i'd love to do tv but even if it was just you know, a short or something. It's just something I'm really craving lately. What are you going to do? I'm putting you on the spot here. What are you going to do to generate those opportunities? Well, I have I have this one show I'm pitching with uh, somebody else, and I want to shoot some proof of concept mm-hmm. with that show. But I guess I was just going to do some really small things, like minute-long videos oh, about smart. this character. And I wasn't going to worry too much about the casting and too much about those mm-hmm. things. And so I think one one thing is just to like care less and worry about perfection less and just mm-hmm. kind of shoot. More. Experiment more. Yeah, yeah experiment more. Uh, I don't know that that satisfies this like craving to create these more interesting characters mm-hmm. and work with actors and right. do longer shots and stuff. So I don't know. This morning I was like, I should just write uh, like a short film <laughs> once a month mm-hmm. like just make that like my it's the first of the month today like, i have to just write a short you know and it can be one scene it can be a few scenes hey did i tell you that kara got me in master class for you did christmas yes. so i started watching the ron howard one well the first thing i did was i looked up master class mm-hmm. review like is this did we just waste a bunch of money on this thing <laughs> it's 180 bucks you get unlimited access for a year i went to reddit and i like i looked up the best courses and mm-hmm. As you would expect, some of them are poorly reviewed and some are really highly reviewed. So people say the Warner Herzog one is like not that great, that it's mostly him talking about his childhood and his film Mm -hmm. and his life story. Probably like what you would get out of an interview with him on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But everyone said that the Ron Howard one was really good. Have you ever seen that short where Werner Herzog plays a a plastic bag? (laughs) No. And that sounds ridiculous. It, it's so good. And like, I think Werner Herzog is so funny and I think he knows it. Yeah. And the fact that he we will have to put it in the show notes, but the fact that he um, plays a plastic bag, like he, it's just, you know, it's shots of a plastic bag and then he's narrating, but oh, okay. you know, is he the first voice person. of it? He's the voice of the plastic bag who, uh, you know, is like born in a grocery shore, store <laughs> And like loves his owner. It's kind of like Toy Story, but uh, but with the fact that plastic doesn't biodegrade, and so it survives well after humanity has been wiped from the face of the earth and is just kind of blowing in the wind. 
but it's so funny and so weird and he commits to the performance so strongly that it, it to me it's such a clear clue that he gets it right. he's in on the joke and if you don't think he is then you don't get it do you right. know what i mean that's awesome yeah i mean i'm a fan of his yeah yeah and i think something we've learned even from this podcast is that just because you're good at filmmaking and communicating as a director doesn't necessarily mean you're great at teaching or talking oh, about sure. something yeah and vice versa you can be this great teacher and not a great filmmaker obviously so i started with ron howard's program and my i'm only like a third of the way through it and i i'm liking it Masterclass tries to really reach a wide audience so i think they'd like to get people like you and me who are professional filmmakers and also a person that's never you know filmed anything or edited anything in their life and so there is this kind of like lowest common denominator Mm -hmm. feeling to it but it's good so he so ron howard talks about all the different movies he directed and how he got them and what the inspiration behind them and what his idea was like on apollo 13 he just like wanted to document what happened and in uh a beautiful mind he wanted to kind of play it as from the viewpoint of the main character whatever his name is he wanted to kind of shoot it like a noir film like from his point of view really uh, amping up the emotions um and he talks about that, and that was pretty cool. But the part I last watched was he watches the scene in Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Last Lost Ark, and he just breaks down how he thinks Steven Spielberg figured out how to shoot the, stage this action scene, uh-huh. and it's really interesting. He's like, "We watch you watch the whole scene, and he's like, look, Harrison Ford is only in three of these shots. Everyone else is a double.'" And he's like, "And you see this shot where like he rides the horse past the truck, and like two bullets miss him." He like kind of breaks down all the pieces you would need for that, and he demystifies these really complicated action scenes. Oh, that sounds fun. Um, yeah, just by watching them, a- as he would think, he doesn't know mm-hmm. he wasn't on the set. Yeah, he's just like, "This is how I would do it." Yeah, yeah. And then I know later on he's going to do some more kind of hands-on he's stuff. gonna get into that confrontational yeah. <laughs> yeah. you love, love mentioning that because it's <laughs> in the trailer uh i can't tell you like every day on facebook that ad would play for me i know like, it was they so really often. heavily market through yeah. facebook ads anyway so one of the things he talked about mm-hmm. which we all know and we've all heard a million times but he talked about how for him instead of thinking of a film as three acts mm-hmm. it's easier for him to think of it as 12 sequences mm-hmm uh, and I think I think that's an idea a lot of people have heard, mm-hmm. you know, that, uh, you know, traditionally you would maybe have like three sequences for the first act and then like, mm-hmm. I don't know, eight or so for the or seven for the second act mm-hmm. and then like two for the final act or whatever. So however you break it up, it doesn't really matter. But if I think of a movie as 12 sequences and I just like kind of focus on writing a sequence oh, at a time. time. Yeah. If you wrote one sequence a month, then you can, in theory, get through 12 in a year. Obviously, I don't think it's that easy. And knowing where you're going really helps. But I've been, I think for 2019, I'm going to try to think about movies in terms of sequences and maybe see if I can approach making short form stuff in that way. Yeah, well, that is a really interesting idea because I would say that my resolution, the thing I've been thinking about a bunch, is how I'm obsessed with my first feature and how I think with I want... making your first With making my first feature and how upset I've been about, you know, I've been close on a couple things and, you know, I've got long-term projects that are still going great and all of that stuff. You know, I've had a good run so far, but how you don't get to make a feature until you've made a feature, basically, right? And so I am obsessed with this movie called Tampopo, 
that's about ramen the point is it's like scripted? it's scripted it's scripted yeah yeah it's incredible it's like a it's like a ramen sex comedy it's like a foodie oh yeah i'm familiar with the genre yeah sure you know um this is the the height of it anyway it's like so funny and so weird and really just about food right it's about foodie culture in japan in like the 80s there's kind of a through line of this woman tampopo who is trying to make the best ramen shop but like there's all sorts of little vignettes it's almost like a little monty python-esque right so anthology style basically and i had been thinking like oh if i do an la-based anthology style comedy is it intercut is it like love mm-hmm. actually kind of or pulp fiction even yeah 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 totally those are like solid references i mean tempopo is like zanier than either of those movies um right and, but just structurally but structurally yeah exactly it's like i mean tempopo is really just like it's the you've got the main storyline as the thread but then you intercut into more singular vignettes. So it's a rare, every once in a while characters will come back and stuff, but for the most part, it's just like shorts in between an overall story, basically. But all meditating on food culture, basically. So you take a theme and then kind of like do a bunch of different stories on that theme. It's less important that they intertwine the same way like Nashville or Shortcuts or Pulp Fiction or whatever it is. But the point is you can shoot it pieces at a time. If your characters don't need to recur, then I can book an awesome comic for a weekend and scrap together a crew and the cash and a location to do it and nail that piece by piece, weekend by weekend. And um, I, I think I've just been obsessed with the Nights and Weekends project because that's where I got my start. Like Squaresville was not ever a full-time thing, you know? And to me, it feels like the easiest way to pull favors, right? Because you're not cutting out the opportunity for people to earn a living you know like if you ask somebody to work for you for free for three weeks they wouldn't be able to make rent right but if you kind of slice it up and you have a plan and again they're self-contained so it's kind of like just making 12 shorts then you've got a feature on your hands and i don't have to wait but is there a thread that ties them all together yeah yeah there would be unifying factors and stuff but that's the thing i've been thinking about oh cool yeah so one other thing i've kind of been thinking about the last couple months is I think I want to try to like join the DGA somehow this year. Me too. Uh, yeah. Why do you want to join the DGA? No good reason. I just like want to be part of it, I guess. I mean, health insurance. Yeah. I probably would still like be on my wife's <laughs> health insurance, SAG oh, okay. insurance, just because it's easier yeah. to maintain and you don't have to get. I think for DGA, I'm assuming it's like SAG, you have to get DGA jobs to get the health insurance. You do, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And I don't, I'm not excited about the stress of having to get a DGA job, Um, but I was thinking of just talking to the production company, the famous group, my production company, and just being like, hey, can you help me with this? They're like really invested in me and giving me things that will make me grow as a filmmaker. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah. I, I'm sure they don't want me to be DGA because none of the jobs I've done with them are, have been DGA. Right. I don't know. I wonder when you shoot flips, that doesn't count, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It just seems like something that it's time to to do. Yeah, I'm with you. I thought this year was going to be the year, but I remember being on a job um, where I was directing one thing and they had another uh, guild director directing a different thing. And because of some politics, uh, even though we had the money and the resources, because I was not union, 
Yeah, because you were shooting on a studio lot. Because I was shooting on a studio lot, everything had to be non-union. As a result, I wasn't allowed to use any heavy-duty gear, basically. So even though we had the money and I had the green light to do it because of the politics of it all, I didn't get to use that gear, and it would have made things better. I still did a good job, and I'm proud of the product, but it's a different thing. And I remember walking over to that other director's set without realizing that it was theirs and seeing all of the stuff that I had wanted and just being like, oh, there's such a stark, obvious contrast. Like, if there, it couldn't be clearer message-wise. Like, this is what you get when you're union. This is what you get when you're, when you're not, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, I think that's a obviously a good example I didn't really have that situation. And, and I want to just say it out loud that I realized that being part of the DGA doesn't make any real difference in my career. In the same way that when someone thinks that if they get a manager or an agent, it'll really like boost their career instantly. Sure, that's true. Which yeah. it doesn't... I don't think it's that type of thing, but I, I guess... Uh, well, two things. First of all, I did that job with Broadway Video a couple of months ago, and the producer there said... I said, I, I'm assuming part of the reason I got this job is because I'm not DGA. And he said, oh, well, it doesn't. They don't care. We don't care. Like if we were DGA, sure, we'd just like kind of, it, it wouldn't be a, a big deal. And I said, well, wouldn't it be way more expensive? And he said, I mean, a, a little bit maybe here and there, but not nothing not consequential. Yeah. And so that kind of opened up my eyes to like, maybe mm-hmm. I'm, I don't have such an advantage by not being DGA as, mm-hmm. as I thought I did. Right. Yeah. And second of all, I just feel like I've been been doing this for a while yeah i've been in la for you won't be like 13 years yeah yeah just seems like a cool magazine to get in the mail yeah it is a very cool magazine um it'll just cost you 10 grand <laughs> and the dga has collected money on my behalf for like my feature films like internationally mm-hmm. is like one of the things they do and i feel like if i was a member maybe they'd be even more diligent about it or something well you also get uh better screenings I've, I know for a fact that uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is screening this week with Lord and Miller Q&A Talkback. So there yeah, you go. That's cool. It's Unfortunately, cool. I mean, if you live in LA, there's so many amazing free yeah. screenings you can go that to with just the filmmakers. To. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just having a kid and all that stuff, it just makes it hard for me to nail yeah. a 7 p.m. screening where I have to be in line like 45 minutes early. Yeah, yeah. No, that is true. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I think I'm in the same spot. I... Am a little more into the insurance aspect of it, but also I feel like it's a bandaid you kind of just need to tear off, you know. Well, what's the move on your end of this? How, how do I make a? How do I join the DGA? Well, I've got a couple projects. When they go through, I think we'll have to be DGA. So, like, I think that's kind of the signifier. Like things you're pitching. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I've been kind of just sitting on those. Like there's not a good reason to join just to join. And it's kind of actually pretty hard to join without like a reason to basically. I think it's more like, oh, it would be really nice to have to because, <laughs> right, you know. Right. And that's what I think. Yeah. That's what I am trying to go beyond, I guess, this year. Because that, that's why I think like if I get a job, a commercial job, which I probably will at some point this year with the famous group so that they're the production company. So then they are the producers on it. So then they determine Mm -hmm. all the statuses and unions and everything associated with the job that I can just ask them to make a DGA. Sure. You know, I feel like there's a really high chance they'll say no, but if they know that that's important to me, then they will. Have you talked to them about um, what their opinion is of it? No. 
Because I, I wonder if maybe they're like, oh, man, Warren, we've been waiting. There are so many DGA they jobs. They will only. absolutely not say that. Yeah, no, I know they won't. <laughs> um, wishful thinking. I mean, I know, you know, I mean, there's a whole, the whole commercial industry is blowing up right now. And there might be a strike going on in March. Mm. Uh, did you hear about that? No, I had not SAG heard. SAG might strike uh, from all commercial work. Well, everyone's saying that they should, if you're doing a commercial project with SAG actors, you should try to finish it by March because yeah. you might not get any more SAG actors. And it's it's a you know it's a giant problem. Both our wives are yeah. SAG actresses, and the whole union non union thing is like a real big thing. But I I kind of feel like DGA is a little bit outside of the yeah. SAG Ayatsi world. Yeah, I think so. Um, boy, well, I wonder how that will unfold because I would prefer for all commercials to be SAG. Oh, of obviously, course. you know we've talked about that many times. I wonder what will happen. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think. To me, the solution is SAG comes up with a low-budget commercial deal mm-hmm. that scales. You know, it's halfway right. between an indie film and a regular budget commercial. Yeah, I mean that would be great. And then everyone's happy, and you get the buyouts, the residuals, all that stuff works in a certain way where it makes sense mm-hmm. for a company to get better actors and go SAG. Anyway, I mean those are some great resolutions, Oren. Yeah, I do think. And maybe I'll try to have this ready for the ne- our next episode. I think like breaking it down to specific steps and how goals you're going to do it, yeah, is important. Well, and I think checking in with each other on the show because I think you know the point of these one-on-one episodes is that listeners just see two examples of how long it takes and what it's like and how to kind of move forward together, basically. So maybe, uh, listeners, shoot us your uh, your New Year's resolutions, and a couple episodes from now we'll kind of maybe talk about a few and share those with the world as well. That'd be fun, right? Yeah, that'd be awesome. I will say we have one of our patrons, Nathan Presley, sent me an email yesterday, a couple of days ago, and said, hey, I heard you talk about that you want to shoot some more proof of concept things this year. If you ever need help, let hey, me know. There so you go. I do think kind of sharing this stuff is helpful. Uh, and yeah, maybe, maybe some just shoot it listeners and I will make some things this year. Okay. Well, uh, before we let this year end, I thought that the two of us should for free endorse things we like. Unpaid endorsements. Or, and you got something? I guess I can name some movies I like this year since Barack Obama did it. Yeah. He Uh, didn't mention my attention video with him. I thought that would be the top of his list. Oh yeah, he didn't. Huh. Yeah, I really loved Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, as I've said. Just so clever. Oh, and a movie I just saw on Netflix, which I'd never seen before, hmm. but I mentioned to you earlier, is Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Yeah, you love that movie. It's just, I mean, it's good, especially if you have want to watch something with the kids, family, whatever. It's just, like, really clever. It's from Lord and Miller and the same people that did Spider-Verse, Spidey-Verse. And uh, I just thought it's a good example of how you can get wacky and insane, but still have heart and like a real clear through line and make something that's accessible to everyone and funny on multiple levels. And it's got a great cast. It's Anna Ferris and Bill Hader and Andy Samberg and yeah. Bruce Campbell. Oh, uh, fun. So I really like that movie. And I mentioned this to you too, but Alex Buono, who is the DP of the one of the film units at SNL, Mm-hmm. He did this thing a while ago. We talked about it with Adam Epstein, the editor, yeah. uh, where he did this seminar that you can watch or you yeah. can download or pay for. Um, and uh, it's really good. It's just he goes through 
how he lights every scene, how he breaks down a script. Yeah, with really sometimes very simple lighting setups and kind of affordable situations, right? Yeah, so his final lighting setup is like 100% Home Depot mm-hmm. materials, like shower curtains and like cool. you know, regular light bulbs and things. Mostly he uses, you know, um, you know like Kinos and units, some other yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, but nothing too big. It's not like he's using 18Ks. Mm-hmm. And he shoots everything, in the at least in the class, on Canon cameras. So like... Mm-hmm. C three hundred, C five hundred, C one hundred, and yeah, I just thought he's like, it's all kind of stuff you know, but he just like really breaks it down uh, in a real easy way, and he talks really fast, which I love because mm-hmm. you know you just I just want to cram information. Yeah, in. well, you know, I watch YouTube videos at like two x speed, yeah. right? <laughs> and with him, you don't need to do that. Oh, great! Well, there you go. So check it out, Alex Buono, B U O N O is his last name. Perfect. Uh, well, I have two hot sauce endorsements. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I got two. One, uh, my wife got me Jordan Brady's hot sauce for Christmas. Oh, really? How yeah. is it? It's great. Oh. I'll let you try some after the show. Um, yeah, it's super good. I still don't really get the Jordan Brady hot sauce thing, but yeah. I assume, and maybe he'll weigh in eventually, but uh, I assume he just figured out a fun hot sauce recipe and thought he should bottle it. I think it's kind of like a hobby that he also sells a little a hobby narrow. It's a Serrano, I think, actually. Oh. Um, it's good. It's got, it's like a garlic, like tangy, pretty hot, hot sauce. How do you, when you said you'll let me try it, like, do I just put my finger in? No, like put a, it on a chip. Oh, cool. Yeah. What kind of, is there a certain chip that's good to try hot sauce on? Like a tortilla chip? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Or tortilla, tortilla chip is probably the move. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think. Yeah, it's it's pretty spicy, but like you throw it in some tacos or whatever, and it's like I would say in the range of sriracha in terms of how spicy. A new bottle of sriracha, not an old bottle. Uh, but the other uh, hot sauce that I love is a local LA one, but they sell sell online. It's called Nam Prick, N A M P R I K. You know it? Yeah, the Thai one, right? Yeah, it is the best. And it's got like it's yeah, it's like a Thai like street sauce almost basically. So it's like perfect for breakfast tacos. I imagine fish tacos, and I am obsessed with it. It's my favorite. And wasn't there some hummus you liked recently? Uh, tapatio hummus, yeah. Oh yeah, it's also yeah. a good idea. It's great. Yeah. I wonder if by the time you're like sixty, your taste buds will <laughs> no just, longer exist. I'll just be like, I only eat ghost peppers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All okay. right. Well, uh, thanks everyone. This episode was edited by Oren Kaplan. Uh, our producer is Madeline Rosewatt, and our webmaster is Ewan Williams. And we're going to get to meet Ewan Williams in January. I'm not going to because I'm going to be in Moscow. Ah, you're ruining my life. Such a bummer. Shout out to Ewan, though. Um, I'll bring you back some nesting dolls or something. We'll see. If you want to reach us, uh, please send us an email. Just shoot a pod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just shoot it pod. Let us know what you think. Write us questions. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash just shoot it pod. And thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Please, please, please. iTunes review. We can't wait to read some new ones. They really helps the show grow. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 